0: And welcome into the latest episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Well, the South American corn crop is all but harvested in both Brazil and neighboring Argentina. The Argentine corn crop was 98% harvested a week ago. Dr. Michael Cordonier is an agronomist with Soybean and Corn Advisors Incorporated. The big question about Argentina's corn crop is how much of it will get into the international market.
1: Farmers in Argentina are not very well capitalized. They're very slow sellers. They're holding on to last year's crops as much as they can as a hedge against inflation, which could be approaching 90% by the end of the year. So they want to hold, hold, hold until there's a devaluation of the peso, which everybody expects will come, because the peso has devalued at a slower rate than inflation. So at some point, it's got to catch up to inflation. So there's got to be some big devaluation in the future, and the farmers want to wait until that happens before they sell.
0: As a result of the situation, farmers in Argentina will likely grow more soybeans in the upcoming season.
1: Soybeans are cheaper to grow, so they want to go cheap as they can, which is soybeans versus corn. And also, the Argentine government in the past has used corn as a weapon against domestic food inflation, and here's how it works. They would limit how much corn is allowed to be exported, so there would be a glut of corn domestically, drive down the price of corn domestically, which is what the goal is, and then feed costs go down, then the price of meat in the supermarket doesn't go quite as much as what could be. So they use corn as a way to control domestic food inflation.
0: Cordonier says there's a financial advantage for Argentina farmers to grow soybeans even with a hefty export tax.
1: There's no point holding soybeans in the country. It doesn't help domestic food inflation because soybeans aren't used very much for the domestic livestock industry. Another reason why they want to try to cut back on corn because they want to try to go for the crop that has the best chance of being exported, which is soybeans. Even though the export tax on soybeans is 33%. So they hate that tax, but you can at least export the soybeans. You may not be able to export the corn, at least not very much.
0: Again, that's Dr. Michael Cordonier of Soybeans and Corn Advisors, Incorporated. The Fertilizer Institute is grateful to members of the Presidential Emergency Board who listened to rail carriers and their labor unions amid their contract negotiations. The PEB offered measured recommendations on a pending contract agreement between the two. Both sides have until September 16th to evaluate the PEB's recommendations during a mandated 30-day cooling-off period. The Board's recommendations include general wage increases and service recognition bonuses worth $1,000. The Fertilizer Institute President and CEO Corey Rosenbush says, quote, uncertainty of this nature is yet another disruption in an already complex environment for farmers, so a speedy resolution is paramount. Over half of all fertilizer moves by rail every year throughout the United States, and the timeliness and reliability of fertilizer shipments are absolutely critical, end quote. He also says if the farmers can't get their fertilizer in a timely manner, it results in lower crop yields, higher food prices, and more inflation for America's consumers. The US Energy Information Administration says renewable diesel production will surpass biodiesel production in the country in October. The EIA's team lead for petroleum and natural gas modeling says they're seeing continued growth on the renewable diesel side and stagnation to slight shrinking on the biodiesel side. Western producer says renewable diesel capacity was estimated at 1.92 billion gallons per year in May, up from 1.75 billion gallons in January. Biodiesel capacity was estimated at 2.22 billion gallons, down from 2.26 billion. Many of the traditional oil refineries in the U.S. are being converted to renewable diesel plants. The EIA estimates that 440,000 barrels per day were converted to renewable diesel in 2020. Expectations are that another 660,000 barrels a day will be converted to renewable diesel in 2022. The agency says it's already prepared an article for when renewable diesel surpasses biodiesel production, which it expects to publish in October. The Creighton University Rural Main Street Index fell in August to a reading of 44, six points below growth neutral. Dr. Ernie Goss, economics professor at Creighton University, says it's the fifth straight month of a declining index. One area of the index showing a surprising decline is farm equipment sales.
2: For the first time in a couple of years since the pandemic, the farm equipment sales move below growth neutral what we're seeing there is farmers are just buying used equipment delaying purchases now just unsure of the future with ag prices still strong in terms of agricultural commodity prices what they're getting for their grain and livestock is still pretty strong compared to years ago but it's certainly weaker than it was earlier this year still above last year but again a lot of caution among farmers and the bankers are reporting that uh, caution
0: while falling commodity prices are a big concern interest rates are another challenge causing farmers to be more cautious with spending
2: Farmers are borrowers each year for operating loans and also for purchase of farmland. Those rates are going up and they're slated to go up even more. That's an issue. Also, supply chain disruptions. The bankers report that supply chain, there's still disruptions, there are still delays. And finally, labor shortages out there in the rural Main Street economy. You're still seeing difficulty finding and hiring those workers, whether it's in the rural Main Street businesses like hospitality, restaurants. The dealers of farm equipment, all those, and the farm itself, seeing the lack of supply of workers coming available to do the work out there that's needed to be done.
0: Again, Dr. Ernie Goss of Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth at a biofuels infrastructure funding announcement in her state claims that flex fuel vehicles are less polluting than EVs thanks to Midwest farmers. And if you look at our farmers, what they're doing, it's incredible. They're doing all sorts of farming practices, cover crops and the like, that is moving us closer to pulling more carbon out of the air than actually putting back into it. And remember that when you go to electric vehicles, they're still being charged by oil. Duckworth added that E85 and E15 are crucial to reaching U.S. emission reduction goals. We can actually produce ethanol that is a net carbon negative. I was just in Marcos Energy just two days ago, and they are actually able to produce ethanol net negative because we're also using carbon capture capture sequestration. Duckworth dismissed studies that claim ethanol production adds to climate emissions. USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack, accompanying Duckworth in Illinois, added that millions in new help for biofuels will spur the U.S. to be the global Leader in climate smart ag and bio based products. And lastly, here on American Ag today, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, the American Farm Bureau, and other members of a coalition applauded an appeals court decision allowing intervention in a case regarding gray wolves. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals will allow the coalition to intervene in the Defenders of Wildlife versus the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and defend the previous administration's delisting of the gray wolf. Caitlin Glover, executive director at the Public Lands Council, says, quote, the decision to allow the coalition to intervene in the case demonstrates what we've always known. Livestock producers deserve to have their voice heard on the delisting of the gray wolf, end quote. Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval says when the gray wolf exceeded its recovery goals, it became an Endangered Species Act success story. Duval said, quote, with thriving populations, management of species should now be the responsibility of the states which can best determine appropriate management practices for the gray wolf, end quote. This has been American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.